business. The blog and podcast for game changers and innovators in the construction industry. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of the AEC Business Podcast. My name is Arni Heiskanen and my guest is Daniel Fagella, the CEO and founder at Emerge AI Research, a research and advisory firm that helps global organizations develop productive AI strategies. So we are going to discuss what we in the construction sector could learn from the artificial intelligence experiences in other industries. Uh, and Daniel, first of all, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hey, glad to be here. Thanks so much. Well, I discovered your podcast, the AI in Business podcast, a while ago, and I found it very fascinating. And as a result, I familiarized a, a bit with your company and invited you to my my podcast. So uh, can you first tell us a, a little bit about yourself and what your company does and offers? Sure. Yeah, I'll give you a quick gist here. So Emerge Artificial Intelligence Research is the name of the company. That's E-M-E-R-J, uh, Artificial Intelligence Research. Um, our focus is really keeping a pulse on what's possible and what's working across the landscape of AI to help leaders develop winning strategies and to pick high ROI projects. So we're a market research company, except unlike kind of the foresters and the gardeners of the world, um, our, our focus is pretty explicitly on the business value of artificial intelligence. So what does that mean? It means we've got to keep a constant pulse on the vendor ecosystem, what vendors are raising money and delivering value and working with name brand customers and, and actually really meaningfully impacting workflows and positive business change. And then what about the buyers? You know, we interview heads of AI at US Bank, HSBC, Raytheon, some of the biggest companies in the world, as well as mid-sized firms, to get a sense of where they're starting to spend money here, where they're starting to see return, how they're seeing this strategically. So folks who want to build a strategy for their own firm or pick among a few projects and find something that's really going to deliver value, they want access to that ecosystem and they want to build a plan that's going to be validated to, to lead to a return. Um, so that's, that's our work. Our work is primary research to support strategy for AI. For enterprise leaders. So you you are the perfect person to <laughs> answer my 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 next question because you meet with uh, executives and, and business people all the time and and when you're meeting with business people who might not be well aware of the basics of AI, yeah. how do you explain what AI and machine learning are? Great, yeah, this is a really important topic to start with for an audience that's newer to this this theme. Um, there's the the wrong way to think about AI. We'll get more into misconceptions if you'd like, but is is kind of likening it just to IT. So AI is like another IT tool that we're going to plug in and it's going to do a specific job. You know, we buy Salesforce, we plug it in, we integrate it, it does a job. We buy Mailchimp, we plug it in, we send some emails with it. Um, artificial intelligence is is a, a broader set of technologies. Roughly speaking, um, AI is a way to sort of unlock the value of data. Uh, to impact our workflows and, and to move our business forward. Uh, and this really involves not just kind of jacking in software, but it involves taking a look at our data assets. It involves iterating and experimenting and finding which of those assets might have um, some value to them. Maybe we've got a lot of uh, invoices in a very ugly format, but if we could use machine learning, we could streamline that invoice intake and immediately strip out the vendor name, the amount of money, et cetera. And so maybe we could look at that corpus of data and see if it has value. So there's this whole other R&D layer on top of AI that goes beyond what IT requires. Um, but probably the best way to think about it is much more capable. Uh, it's, it's sort of the next wave of capability for all of IT, but it also involves a lot more complexity. And we can talk about what that looks like. All right. So, um, 
Well, people have a, some idea of AI probably, but what are the biggest misconceptions regarding AI, especially in, in business in, in, in a business environment? Great question. I mean, the, the, the most dangerous misconceptions are that, um, again, uh, artificial intelligence is AI is IT. Uh, that's wrong for a great number of reasons, which we could go into a lot of depth, but roughly speaking, um, uh, again, the complexity for finding projects, the complexity for delivering projects is much, much higher with artificial intelligence. And there's an entire process of really iteration around AI. AI is closer to R&D than it is to IT. Um, we, we've often, when we're working with a complex AI project, we're really going to have to to make hypotheses around what this algorithm could deliver if we trained it on this data. Whether we're working with a vendor or we're building something in-house, in either case, there's going to be a good amount of that iteration. So that's more uncertainty. That's more, for some folks, risk. Of course, the upside is great because there's some capabilities that we couldn't do with IT. It's very important. You, know, you had talked before our interview. You said, well, you know, are there times where we don't need AI? You're absolutely right. There's plenty of times where we don't need AI. There's some instances where it's either going to be AI or it won't be done. Um, so th there's some areas where maybe there's crossover, uh, but there's plenty of areas where either a AI gets it done or a human's going to get it done. There, there really is no traditional IT tool that could get the job done. You know, we think about things, it's a bad example, but I'll use it anyway. Things like, a, uh, to some degree, you know, a chat interface, if, hypothetically, if we could make that work, not as relevant in construction. Um, things like, uh, monitoring, uh, let's say, a building environment, looking for stray vehicles or potential danger or risk in a, in a construction environment. Either a person is going to drive around in a little truck and, and you know, list all the things that could be risky, or we could have a drone with computer vision that could detect and label those things. We really, there's no IT tool that's going to do that. It, it can't. Vision is a very machine learning oriented problem. Um, so, so. Uh, in order to, to unlock that value, that next wave of capability uh, beyond what IT can do, we've often got to be able to really iterate and, and work with our data. So that's one kind of dangerous misconception. Another dangerous misconception, very much tied to the first one, um, is that we should be explicitly thinking about AI as kind of a Band-Aid kind of tack-on solution. In other words, uh, okay, well, we're, we're going to, you know, what can we do with AI around here? Uh, let's just smack it on over here and kind of upgrade this process by 2%, upgrade this process by, by 2%. There's a bit of that that we can do, a bit of that that we can do. And in construction, I think it might have to start there. We can get into why I think that's the case. Um, but broadly speaking, um, early AI projects for companies who are doing this right, we've interviewed a lot of companies that have gotten a lot of scrapes and bruises and a lot of companies that are farther along than most, um, companies that are doing this right, take AI projects as not just opportunities to see a near-term ROI, but opportunities to more deeply invest in the infrastructure that's going to support AI into the future. So if I use a very rough example outside of your industry, just to make the concept click here, um, if, if we're a bank and we're looking to detect fraud, which is a very low-hanging fruit use case for AI, very mature use case, detect payment fraud, you know, which of these are somebody with a stolen credit card versus you know, the actual user of that credit card, the owner of it? Um, uh, if we want to do that, um, we'll, we'll often not just want to, want to figure out the quickest way to kludge things together and, and get a little bit of an uptick in our level of risk detection, but we'll want to ask the question, how should our data be stored in a way sustainably long-term where we can pick out better patterns from it? How should it be stored so that we can access it more nimbly across different 
you know, facets and factors of, of our user experience for, you know, our, our online, you know, site for our users, right? Or our mobile app or whatever the case may be. So we might want to ask deeper questions to invest in infrastructure. Early projects we can often expect are going to be challenging. We can expect we're going to get bumps and scrapes. It's a totally new way of working. Working with data is frustrating in some regards. Um, but we should also expect we're going to learn some new capabilities. And if we go in without the misconception that AI involves learning and that learning is good, we're going to just be frustrated that we can't plug and play everything. But if we go in thinking our, the way our teams collaborate, the way we think about our data, the way we think about the digital future of our company, that the time it's going to take and some of the hard lessons we're going to learn, that's part of the ROI here. That's part of building into a company that's more capable five years from now. If we go in with that mindset, then we're, we're going to avoid a lot of the, I hate to say low-hanging fruit hunting, which ultimately is self-defeating in many respects. So those are those are very big points from across many industries. Uh, so you uh, talked about possible uh, applications already a little bit to touch on those. But what, what do you, based on, on the experience in other industries, what kind of applications do you see that the construction industry might be uh, sure. considering first or should be considering first? What are the... What are, what is the uh, a good entry into this uh, AI world? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Where where to start? So, um, construction is is a curious space in this respect. So, let me first address the fact that construction is rather nascent. So, if I were to draw up global industries and stack rank them for you, construction ain't in the top half. Now, that's not a bad thing, by the way. There's nothing wrong with that. Neither is mining, by the way. It's not that there aren't mining billionaires. They're still out there. You know what I mean? It's not a nominal industry. It's just not an industry that's uh, super technically adept, particularly in the, the world of, of data science. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And so I don't think construction should like feel bad. Um, generally, the way this works in terms of nascency of industries is industries that are the farthest along in AI are the most digitally native. No surprise. So if, if you were to if you were to say, hey Dan, name a bunch of industries or sub-industries, name like the top three that are the most far along, pound for pound, they're the most likely to not only be trying, but deploying AI in a meaningful way in their business. I would give you things like fintech, I would give you things like e-commerce, I would give you things like online media. And we all know the big examples of those companies. Uh, you know, like a Stripe would be a fintech. A, uh, you know, an Amazon would be an e-commerce, uh, Facebook would be an online media, for example, but there's a whole ecosystem of smaller firms. These folks started digital first. They started with kind of a pipeline and an understanding of data. And in the digital world, data is easier. It's easier. Now, it doesn't mean it's always a better business. I'm not saying everybody should get into digital businesses. It's just easier to work with data. When you're in construction, the hard things you're working with are hard things. They're actual pipes, they're actual beams, they're actual wooden planks, they're you know, uh, trucks that gotta move all this stuff across the mud. Uh, very different uh, ecosystem than what we could refer to as the infinitely instrumentable world of digital. In digital, I can track everything, everything. In the physical world, I could tell you I could track everything with cameras, but I can't really. At, at Amazon, they can track every pixel my mouse passes over, everything I add to cart and remove from cart. There's no guesses. They don't have to look and say, did he add toilet paper or was that peanut butter? They know because I clicked the button that said peanut butter. And so it's much more digitally trackable. Construction's not like that. So the reason I'm seeing that up is because spaces like mining, construction, often uh, to, to some degree supply chain, um, they, they weren't digital first and they're not necessarily working with mostly digital stuff. And so for that reason, AI isn't going to be as 
as rife in those industries. That said, there, it's not that, that we have a, a complete dearth of opportunity here. Areas where we might be able to, and, and areas where there is traction in other industries that I would expect to see in construction more near term, I'll give you two and we can do more if you like. The first is predictive maintenance. So in the world of construction, we operate heavy equipment. Uh, the heavy industry space is, you know, there's, there, we've had folks from Caterpillar on the show, for example. Um, uh, there's, that's a big, big industry. And those are very expensive machines. Um, in the world of supply chain, if I have a boat that breaks down in the middle of the ocean, unplanned downtime, as they call it, uh, catastrophic unplanned downtime in that case, big consequences. In manufacturing, if I have a machine, you know, one of my, maybe I'm, I'm pressing metal or whatever the heck this machine is doing, I'm melting something, who cares? Um, in a manufacturing process, one of my machines has unplanned downtime. All of a sudden, all my inventory is backed up. All my finished goods are not done enough to deliver to customers. All my expectations get wobbled. My warehouse is overstacked. I'm piling stuff up, up outstairs or outside. It's a gruesome nightmare. Same deal in construction. If we have critical equipment that we're using to build a building, whether it be a crane, whether it be earth-moving equipment, and all of a sudden, oh, that machine is gone, um, maybe it's going to be however long until we can get a new one in there or until we can get the thing fixed. Um, so predictive maintenance, roughly speaking, I'll give you a conceptual understanding, and I'd like for you to ask me questions so we can make this clear for your audience. Um, predictive maintenance is the leveraging of what is called telemetry data. So this could be sensors that track things like heat, things like vibration, uh, even things like computer vision, so being able to look at different parts or pieces of, of a piece of equipment, um, and, and to be able to detect, is this thing going to break down? Are we close to breakdown here, potentially? Uh, and so in the predictive maintenance world, if we can instrument a physical thing, again, instrumenting the physical world, much harder than digital, but if we can instrument the physical world, particularly our heavy critical equipment, we might be able to get a, an ongoing sense of which of these pieces uh, of machinery are healthy. And maybe that means we have to do less of the manual health checkups of humans, which might consume time and take away from our construction speed, um, but have a better granularity of when in all seriousness we need to pull this machine off the line. Maybe every month we do these health checkups, but somewhere right in the middle of the month, this crane is kicking off every signal in the book that it's not working well. And maybe the guy operating can't feel it, but the health, uh, the, the, the heat, the vibration, other signals within the engine or other moving parts are really indicating this is not a good time to be operating this piece then signals can be kicked off, uh, alerts can be booted to, to someone in an office to, to be able to let us know to maybe do a deeper investigation. So predictive maintenance, particularly for our most expensive and mission critical equipment, is one area that's getting traction in other industries and I expect will make its way into construction as well. So let me know where you wanna dive in there. I just gave you probably too much to, to think about here. Well, well that, that was a really good example. But what we know right now is that uh, the the cost of IoT uh, sensors, for example, uh, has gone down. So it's very easy to plug in sensors to stuff like con construction uh, equipment and tools and even persons <laughs> and, and, and so on. So I, I, I think that we will see construction digitalizing in that sense in the future. And and then, then that that's, will form a basis for this uh, uh, for the for the AI or machine learning, if I understood correctly, you're saying that uh, uh, AI is not just a technology; it's it actually leads to a strategic uh, thinking and, uh, and and strategic decisions from a company's yeah. side. Eventually, yeah. is that yeah. correct? It is. It is. And and again, construction the the brunt of what we're 
we're working on isn't necessarily digital stuff, it's physical stuff. So, um, you know, the, the, the examples to some degree are a little bit harder to think of in construction. However, I'll give you an idea of what I mean. You want me to clarify the idea mm -hmm. that AI is strategic. So I'll, I'll give you a sense. Yeah. Um, AI, again, at, at a high level, a lot of AI projects are going to be R&D oriented. So let's just use predictive maintenance as a low hanging fruit example. There are a great many challenges to predictive maintenance and I could talk for literally two hours with no breaks and no breaths uh, about predictive maintenance, but I'll, let's just use the example I gave you. Um, if we're a very large construction firm that has you know, hundreds of cranes and you know, hundreds of earth moving bits of equipment floating around the world, um, the ability for us to systematically instrument our machinery and be able to have really, really reliable uh, understandings of, of the relative health of these machines so that we can, we can have upkeep procedures that keep them all humming, keep them all operating, minimize downtime, absolutely. If we, can if we can do that sustainably, that would really be a bit of a stepwise improvement for our company writ large. Much better use of our existing equipment, much less break time for the sake of the machinery itself. It's not even a person that needs a break. We're breaking for the damn machine over here. You know, um, and, and so if we, can, if we can sustainably lift that level of aggregate output and, and lift that, the, the amount of kind of utility we can, we can garner for each of these very expensive uh, bits of machinery, um, that, that would be a, a sustained, meaningful advantage for us as a company. However, that's, that's a, the, um, to do that is, is again, an R&D effort. We'd have to experiment with a number of different ways to tack on our IoT sensors. Which sensors in which would are called arrays? Which arrays of sensors? You know, again, heat, vibration, vision, whatever we want to use. Which, which arrays of sensors on which equipment are going to give us the best signals? And that's, there's going to be experimentation there. I hate, I hate to tell you this, but we ain't going to get it right the first time. Just point blank, period. There might be some equipment where that's been a solved problem. There's some other industry that's used that exact earth moving piece or that exact crane engine and figured out a rough instrumentation that we can start with. But a lot of the time, given the nascency of this whole space, we're going to be beginning with our own uh, informed hypotheses around how to do that. And so the reason we need to tie it, so not only is it strategic, like it, it leads to strategic advantage, we need to think of it as strategic because if we treat it like plug it in, and keep my machine up more. Just plug it in and just tell me how much money I save six months from now. If, if we treat it that way, done. Zero percent chance of an ROI. We need to anchor it to a strategic value at an executive level so that when it, when we learn hard lessons, when we, when we, and, and we should think about it as learning hard lessons, not just spending money. We should consciously be retaining our learnings here. When we figure out how to instrument IT, when we get IoT, when we get closer and closer to garnering the kind of result that we want, when we you pull in and get a more informed hypothesis around which pieces of equipment we can use these arrays with most effectively. When we go through all of that chunky R&D work to be able to make that value happen, we're going to need strategic value in place. Someone at an executive level has to say, this is a mandate of importance and we're going to invest in it as opposed to this is a band-aid, slap it on and tell me how much money I saved six months from now. So, so it's strategic in a literal sense and it must be thought of as strategic or we are not going to see ROI, generally speaking. Um, there's some exceptions with more AI SaaS products, which I'm happy to talk about, but in the broad sense of leveraging AI in the enterprise, that's a critical lesson. How do you see the future of AI development and implementation in, in businesses and is AI going to be an ubiquitous technology like the internet or limited to specific applications? Yeah, um, AI will very much be, you know, the internet is a great analogy. The, the uh, electricity has been used as an analogy. I, I actually think that these are apt analogies. Um, we are not in the business of hyping this technology. 
In fact, I do a lot more realistic setting of the bar than I do talking about grandiose, nifty, hoo-ha garbage, because you can get that actually anywhere, as it turns out. When you talk to people in the real world, you learn about all the places where they've experienced pain and all the things that didn't work, and you find the limited number of things that do work. So we, we talk much more about uh, the realistic bounding box of AI, but long-term, where this stuff is headed, um, it is exceptionally open-ended. Uh, AI is essentially the the ever-expanding, creepy, crawly capability layer on top of everything IT. So everything that is now IT can be expanded to now do this that humans used to have to do. Now do this that humans used to have to do. Now do this that humans used to have to do. Now do this that humans never could do. Think about Netflix. Like, could you have a team of people in the Philippines looking over the movies I've watched and telling me a movie? Like, that's not even realistic. You know, the same thing with fraud and banking. You know, can you have a team of people in the Philippines looking at everything Dan Fagella has purchased with his American Express card uh, and then saying, hmm, is this, is this just thinking? I know Dan really well. Does he buy bubble tea, you know, in Los Angeles? You know, like, um, it, it, you know, he hasn't bought a ticket. Um, we, need, we need automated systems. So, so it, it's, it's the creepy, crawly, expanding capability space of everything IT. It absolutely should be seen as the internet. It's a massive paradigm shift. There was a before internet, after internet. Probably didn't affect construction as much as it did other industries, but I can tell you damn well it affected, uh, uh, you know, pl plenty of other industries around the world. Um, and, and the same thing should be considered for, for AI. So if we think about construction, you know, if we think long-term, Again, I don't think construction is going to be bowled over by automation. We're going to have robots in there, you know, hammering the nails. That's, that's, not, that's not happening anytime near term. Uh, robotic dexterity is a very tough problem. We're working on it, but, it, but it's a tough problem. Um, areas where we can potentially see th this sort of implementation over time will be, as you had said, you know, will it be in specific workflows or, or will it be kind of overall? It will be overall, but I suspect in construction, it'll start with things around computer vision. So I mentioned drones to detect maybe safety hazards or drones to maybe look at the, the stability of, let's say, a bridge or a building or you name it. Um, or or, or uh, uh, th there's, there's drone use around um, uh, even heavy equipment, if we have really heavy stuff being able to kind of look around the outside of those things. So computer vision broadly, anything humans are checking up on to say, do, do we need to look in this further? Is this dangerous? We, we might be able to have computer vision systems manually flag those images from their little flights, their automated flights, and, and send that to people. Predictive maintenance. Another uh, reasonable example, there might be some back office processes around hiring and whatnot where AI might, might find its way. And so it's going to start with initial workflows, but the short answer for you is essentially everything IT is going to be creepy crawly expanded with, with AI. And I'd love to talk if I could about um, what that future is going to look like. Cause I mentioned how much R and D is involved in AI. If we think five years from now, there will be much less R and D and some of this stuff will be a little bit more plug and play. And I think that might really open it up for construction. And that's really where it's going to actually catch on in industries like construction. If I could talk about that, I'd like to. Yeah. Great. So um, th there's, uh, at present, AI is still bumbling its way into finding what use cases it can add value to. Um, and, it, and as it turns out, many of the vendor companies working in, let's say banking, let's say life sciences, whatever industry, heavy industry, doesn't matter. They're finding that it's uh, what we could say annoyingly bespoke to get these systems to work in different businesses. We can't take the same fraud, fraud model for this department of, of uh, Bank of America and plug it into this other department of Bank of America. It just doesn't work. We have all new data. We need to train this thing in a new way. We have to go through the R&D process again. However, there is an increasing amount of AI solutions that are becoming more SaaS-like. What I mean by this is these systems require none or absolutely minimal amounts of our own proprietary data in order to train them. 
Um, so uh, let me give you an example here of, of a few of these, and these are just portents of things to come, but, but, uh, um, but this is it's important to, to understand. Um, there's, and we refer to these as AI SaaS, this business model is AI SaaS, where it's AI, um, the, the upside is we don't have to do the R&D. We're not having to fits and futter and, and, and make, make the AI work. The downside is we are not building AI maturity. We are not getting a deeper understanding to our own data and unlocking its value. So no maturity benefits, but some of the capability benefits of AI, it's a good balance. Sometimes that's going to be necessary. We're going to, we're going to want the easy, the easy plug and play. It, so long as it doesn't hurt us long-term, it might just work. So here's some examples for you. Um, and, and these will be representative portents of future AI SaaS to come. One example is around security cameras. So we have security cameras that can detect uh, maybe any vehicle or maybe certain kinds of vehicles, you know, driving around at certain times, you know, and figure out, hey, is, is this the kind of activity we'd expect at this time of night? You know, do we want to see this? Do we not? Uh, being able to kick off a message, take a still, zoom in on a license plate, kick it off to somebody, snap, right to their phone, wherever they are, whatever the case may be. That's not something that we, we need to train the algorithm on. Um, the same thing with uh, security cameras for people. If we need to detect people moving and walking, or maybe we're looking at faces, um, as it turns out, uh, you know, there's systems that can detect faces pretty well at this point. And we don't need to say, okay, AI vendor, here's my 5 million hours of video footage where you can manually detect all the people and then train this whole algorithm just for me. No, you already can detect people. You can already detect vehicles. Hopefully you can detect them at night because that's most of my security needs. Oh, you can? That's great. Okay, let's plug this in. And then more or less automatically, it'll just be able to detect things. But notice that's not really bespoke to us. That's just a general need that AI can fulfill, but it's not bespoke to us. So that's an example of AI SaaS. Another interesting example here um, would be in the in the world of, I'm just going to give you a retail example because it's simple enough to go with. There's a company called Edited. I think they're based in the UK. They use machine learning to crawl the backend websites of all the big retailers, apparel retailers specifically. So uh, as it turns out, it's actually very hard to know what price to set a pair of pants in a specific store or what price to set a pair of pants on a website. As it turns out, like that's actually very challenging. Part of what you do is you get a sense of what are they selling for elsewhere? And what are they selling for to our kind of customer? And so this company crawls with AI, the back end of all these different websites and pulls in pricing in real time for all kinds of SKUs, all kinds of brands, and then allows that as just a dashboard for any company that wants to go in and set prices. So that company doesn't have to go build the crawling algorithm and then train it to find the prices. No, no, that stuff's all done behind the scenes. All you get is a little dashboard. So more and more tools are going to be dashboardable, are going to be what I call SASable over the next five years. And I think that's when spaces like construction and mining will really be able to see an uptick. And even the mid-market of construction and mining will be able to benefit from AI because it won't have the same R&D barrier. Today, high R&D barrier. Five years from now, much lower. So people can expect that dynamic to occur. Dan, I think our time's up now. But if our listeners would like to learn more about your services, uh, where should they go? Sure, yeah. Um, if folks want to learn more about what we do at Emerge, uh, it's just, it's emerj.com, probably the best guide for this. If people are new to AI, we have a guide called Beginning with AI, which is critical, three critical insights for non-technical leaders. So if you want to find AI opportunities and avoid misconceptions for picking high ROI projects, this is kind of our four-page version of like how to do this well. And that's just emerj.com slash B-E-G-1. So B-E-G like beginning and then the number one. So emerj.com slash B-E-G-1. People can go there or just unemerge.com. 
we actually have a drop down. One of them is heavy industry and there's dozens of articles of cool use cases all over heavy industry that might serve as a fun inspiration for your listeners. So that, that would be how people could reach us. Thanks for listening. For more stories and news about construction industry innovation and technology, visit aec-business.com.